And so the law, or the Ten Commandments, has a very vital role and work to do to be the handmaid of the gospel to bring sinners to faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, while the law cannot save, nor can the law wash away sins, nor can the law change hearts, yet it is vital to reveal our need of a Savior. Now, the danger and the difficulty is that many people make a Savior out of the law, and they think that the Ten Commandments can be a passport to heaven. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I trust that today again the Lord will draw near, minister to your heart. Especially as we come to the message today from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale, and today we're looking at Galatians 3, the function of the law as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. There is a leaven of Phariseeism in every child of Adam, an attempt to justify ourselves by our own good works or righteousness, uh, that we are self-sufficient, and that we can do it alone. The gospel must cut through that. One of the greatest mistakes that anyone can make is that we can get to heaven by law-keeping by some loyalty or allegiance to the Ten Commandments as our purpose for living. So stay tuned with us as we come to this message, and I trust you'll open your Bible at Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 20. The law is our schoolmaster. Our text this evening is Galatians 3, verse 24. Wherefore, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. In the first century in the Roman world, on any morning, you would see students on their way to school. They would be escorted by a senior slave called a tutor, or an escort. And so you could see coming out of the Roman homes, villas, these young boys on their way to school accompanied by a slave, their tutor, who led them all the way to the school. The responsibility of that tutor was to assure, ensure that they attended. And you know what young people are like, they can play hooky, and they can decide to do other things for the day. Well, they had to make sure that they showed up, and they were also responsible for their behavior when they were in school to make sure that they were learning properly. They supervised them for the whole day until they returned home, and that was their task. So you picture these young boys leaving home with a little satchel, uh, dressed in a tunic with sandals, and they probably had a slate. They might have called it a tablet. Now, very different from the tablets that young people might be using at school today. 
These were just slates, and they would use some kind of chalk to do their writing on it. And so this tutor was totally in charge of him. And it was no easy thing for a son to be under such a tutor, because after all, I'm the son, he's just a slave. But he's commissioned to discipline and organize my day that I be the student I ought to be. And you can imagine youthful boys with their their tricks and their ways and frolicky ways of life. Uh, They want to beat the system, and they want to get around the rules and so on. This tutor would lean on them and make life tough and difficult to ensure that they gave a good report to their father, who was the slave's master, and this was a very tough arrangement. This was the schoolmaster that is spoken of here in Galatians 3.24. Now, the Apostle Paul makes use of that very familiar scene of the escort for the boy to and from school, that uh, this is the work of the law. And he says, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And this arrangement, being under a, a very personal disciplinarian or under a governor, is Paul's analogy for the function of the law in the life of the unsaved, the sinner, that needs to be brought to Christ. And so the law, or the Ten Commandments, has a very vital role and work to do to be the handmaid of the gospel to bring sinners to faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, while the law cannot save, nor can the law wash away sins, nor can the law change hearts, yet it is vital to reveal our need of a Savior. Now, the danger and the difficulty is that many people make a Savior out of the law, and they think that the Ten Commandments can be a passport to heaven. Or it can be a ladder that if you keep all of the commandments, you're going to be good enough to enter into heaven. But the function of the law is not to save us, but to bring us under conviction to recognize our need of a Savior. Now, I think in our school days, we all have had teachers that have stood out to do a very special work in our lives. I remember a particular teacher in my high school. She taught biology and math, and I probably learned with more joy from her than any other teacher in all the years I attended that school. At the time, I didn't know why. She had a very winning, a very uh, uh, not tough or disciplinarian way, but just a motivation. She had the ability to motivate And I learned later that she was a Christian. Her name was Mrs. Patterson. And I can still remember sitting in her classes, learning those biology lessons in particular, and I learned things from her that stick with me to this very day. Now, the law is a great teacher. The law is a master teacher to reveal to us our need of the Lord Jesus. Indeed, it is vital in gospel preaching. Martin Luther made a great deal of emphasis 
upon the function of the law. And I want to give you two short quotes uh, that he gave. He said, The law proves to us that we cannot stand before God in our own righteousness, and that drives us to the gospel. Again, I quote, The law is for the proud, and the gospel is for the brokenhearted. And so what do the men of this world need? What does proud man need? He needs his hardened heart to be broken under the crushing weight of the law. Not that it can save him, but it can awaken him to his desperate need of a Savior. Now, there is great need for clarity on this subject in the church today, because a great deal of harm is done by the neglect of the law. Indeed, in reality, you cannot preach the gospel without also preaching the law. The two should go together, and we must exhort that God has a standard that none of us can meet, and that's what the law teaches us. We're all sinners. We're incapable of reaching God's holy standard, and God's holy character is so pure that none of us can stand in our own righteousness. And so we need to turn to the gospel to recognize that there is a provided righteousness that will save us and will prepare us for heaven. So tonight we're going to look at a list of things that the law works or teaches sinners that bring us to Christ. Number one, the law teaches us of our sinful nature before God. Look at verse 19. The question begins here, wherefore then serveth the law? You can see that it's evident that uh, the question comes up, and people will ask, and Paul foresees the question. Now, here's his answer in verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, and it points them out. The law is like ten fingers that all point to us and reveal to us our sinful, ungodly, unrighteous state. What is sin? That is a very necessary question. Now, the Bible answers this. We don't have to go to any creed or catechism to get this. We have it right here in the Bible in the book of First John, <clears throat> chapter 3 and verse 4. Whoso committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. It's like an RCMP officer when he stops you in a traffic offense, and of course he's going to read to you the criminal code. You have just broken the law. And it is the police officer's job to say, you have transgressed. You have gone over what the law allows if you're speeding. Or maybe you're driving down the wrong side of the road. And that is, a, is an even more serious transgression, perhaps. And he's going to book you for breaking the law. You have gone beyond 
what the law allows. Now, none of us have kept the law of God perfectly. We either fall short of God's standard, or we go beyond. And in that, you have sins of commission, or you have sins of omission. The things that we should not have done, those are the sins of commission. The things that we have left undone that we should, those are the sins of omission. We have omitted to worship God. We have omitted to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. None of us have kept the law to that degree. And then those sins of commission, those things that are forbidden, that God says no, they turn to lust, and we desire the thing that God has forbidden. And of course, those sins are well identified in the Bible. God has forbidden adultery, murder, theft, and such things. And the very thoughts of any one of those can be committed in the heart. That's sin in the heart when a man lusteth after a woman that is not his own wife, or when someone uh, in rage says, I'll murder you, uh, not really intending to do it, but the very desire, the very statement, the very thought now becomes guilt in his heart, or the thief. And uh, have we not all sat in a situation and said, hey, this is all wide open. There's nobody even around. We could take what we wanted. The very thought that entered our heart condemns us that none is able to keep the law. Now, how are you going to answer before God, not only for your deeds and your words, but your thought life? We learn that the police force tries to use lie detectors, and I don't have any idea how they work. I'm not even sure if they're, if they're monitoring brain waves or temperature or whatever it is they're trying to detect when a, a person under investigation is telling a lie. And I'm sure they're very imperfect, and any judge in the court would be very cautious of allowing a case to hinge upon the, the conclusions of a lie detector. But you imagine that someone had the ability of a, of a machine to scan your brain, to scan not just the things that are historically known about you, but your inner thoughts. And those things would be scanned, printed out on a graph or text, whatever it is that's going to expose the very thoughts of your mind and of your heart. If we were taken before a judge with such a machine, we'd all be condemned. We would all be in jail because we're all guilty. The law is our schoolmaster to convince us, to discipline us to the point where we say, I no longer want to be under this schoolmaster. I don't want to hear this condemnation of the law. I don't want to be told my sins. I don't want these things to be exposed. I want a Savior to save me from my sins. And the law is doing its work. When you cry out, 
help me, save me from my sins, my thoughts, my evil, my wicked nature. Don't allow these things to come before God. Therefore, we need Christ. And that's when the law is doing its work. Secondly, we'll move to verse 21. The law teaches us of our hopelessness before God. So here is one of Paul's if statements. <clears throat> and he says, <clears throat> if there had been a law which could have given life. Now, that clearly shows us that it's not possible. It never could give life. The law could never save. And the law cannot be a savior. It is a teacher of righteousness, but never a savior to bestow righteousness. The law can point out defects, but it cannot fix defects. It can only condemn, and that's the work of the law. Now, when you think of the ministry of the Lord to the Pharisees, how interesting this becomes. The Pharisees were legalists, and the proper definition of a legalist is someone who uses the law to save himself. He tries to match the standard of the law by his own good living, his own works and efforts, and he's trying to use the law as a way or a ladder to heaven. Now, you know the Pharisees, how legalistic they were, how punctilious they were to the very smallest minute of the law, and they insisted that they could keep all of the law. But of course, they couldn't, and they could never be saved by that means. Now, the leaven of Phariseeism is in every man and woman. By nature, by natural thinking, every one of us is a Pharisee, and we fall into the Pharisee's thinking. There are many today that use the church and ritualism as a way to life, as a way to be saved. They use church religion, and they make that their savior. We refer to them as very churchy people. They're proud of their church. They're proud of their attendance. They're proud of their history and maybe family connection to a particular church. And they make that to be their hope for heaven. And it's really a gospel of works. It is put in their hope in keeping the law. It's a law, legal righteousness, and not the gospel. Now, we're told here in Galatians 3.21 in very clear terms, and Paul's argument is absolutely clear, that the law is powerless to save. And notice how he puts it. If there was a law which could have given life, righteousness would have come by the law. But it doesn't. And let us never forget that. Let that be burned into our heart. And what really Paul is saying is, if a man could be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments, why would God need to send his Son to die on the cross? Why would we need atonement? Why would we need the blood of God's Son to wash us and cleanse us from our sins if the law was a ladder, another method, of our own self-justification. If righteousness is attainable by works, then we don't need a suffering Savior. 
We don't need a substitute to take our place and die for us to save us from our sins. And Paul makes that absolutely clear. Now, this statement that he's making here in Galatians 4 builds upon what he said in chapter 2.16. And this is a classic text. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Talk about a watertight statement. Talk about wording it in a way that there can be no doubt, no ambiguity. It is impossible for a person to be saved, justified by keeping the law. The law is our tutor to bring us to Christ. That's the role of the law. It can never save. How wrong, then, was the rich young ruler, the one to whom the Lord Jesus said that he needed to keep the commandments? And this young man boasted, and he said, All of these have I kept from my youth up. Well, to correct that proud statement, because he was really filled with the leaven of Phariseeism, he thought that he could make himself right, good, and acceptable by keeping those commandments. But the Lord had to say to him, Well, here's what you do now. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, and follow me. And that young man went away very sorrowful because we are told he had great possessions. Did he love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength? No. He was not perfect at keeping the law. Many might have looked upon him and say he's a very decent young man, but inside his heart he was filled with the leaven of Phariseeism. Now, if that leaven is in your heart tonight, and you think that you're good enough because you try to keep the law of God, that you're going to be saved without faith in the Lord Jesus, well, the law is not a Savior. The law can never bring you to peace with God through the Lord Jesus. And just as the Lord burst the bubble for that young man, I need tonight to burst the bubble that you might be making, striving to be ever so good, trying to live a life that is not condemned, a life that makes you look good on the outside. But what is the state of your heart? The purpose of the law is to reveal the weakness, the failure of your own work life, and to show you just how hopeless and helpless you are working by commandments. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely He did something that no other friend could do 
No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me and he led me in the way I ought to go. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love. But I'll never know just why he came to save me. Till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. I want to give you just a quote of Mr. Spurgeon on this subject of the failure to keep the law. He says, There is no point on which men make greater mistakes than on the relation which exists between the law and the gospel. Some men put the law instead of the gospel. Others put the gospel instead of the law. A certain class maintains that the law and the gospel are mixed and that partly by observance of the law and partly by God's grace, men are saved. These men understand not the truth and are false teachers. And so this simply outlines the point that we need true balance here. We need to understand that the function of the law is to convict of sin, to point us to the need of a Savior, and to drive us to Christ. But once we put our trust in Christ, we do not trust in the law to justify. It is the blood of Jesus. It is his all-sufficient work on the cross. And by our trust in his work alone, we are justified and made ready for heaven. So I pray that today that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you felt the pricks of the law, the conviction of sin, thank God, and may you go to the cross for the relief that is found in the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support 
this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister. In Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister. In Barrie, where Reverend Anthony DiDerno is the minister. And in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister. You will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one-to-one with you so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at 604-897-2040 or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving care.